STEM Prime Research Cast. Hey, and welcome to episode number two of the STEM Prime Research Cast. Um, a research cast is a subtype of the podcast. It uh, allows me to take you, the viewers and the listeners, along as we conclude uh, the final research phase of the development of the AI STEM drive and the STEM ep economy. Okay, the STEM Prime Research Cast can be found on Anchor FM, Spotify, uh, I'm sorry, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. And we're working on getting on Apple Podcasts and CastBox and Overcast. The associated links for the podcast, different uh, distribution sites will be posted in the the notes. (laughs) Each podcast will be published on Monday, and the format is primarily interview-based. Um, however, the first several months, we're going to cover the full breadth of the STEM of STEM theory and the supporting research and scientific literature. Because this is a multidisciplinary project, we're going to be touching on research from psychology, sociology, physics, economics, uh, engineering, neurology, machine learning, artificial intelligence, um, and <laughs> quite a few more. Now, after we've covered all of the necessary information, one might need to have an intelligent conversation uh, concerning STEM theory, we'll move into the, into the interview phase. Now, these are going to be research interviews of field experts and other professionals whose knowledge and experience would benefit the development of both the STEM ep economy and the AI STEM drive. Okay, I have a few announcements to make and a couple of side notes. So first, when talking about the AI STEM drive, the STEM ep economy, STEM theory, STEM prime, um, the STEM prime and Terra prime simulations, STEM is an acronym for space, time, energy, and matter. Okay, we are not in any way associated with the STEM educational uh, initiative, which uses the acronym STEM for science, technology, um, what is it, education and mathematics, or engineering and mathematics. Okay, second, for field experts, scientists, researchers, um, engineers, anybody that might be interested in having a conversation on STEM Prime, go ahead and contact me at stemprimepodcast at gmail.com and put interview in the subject line. Okay, now this week I'm going to talk about a more detailed look at what uh, the STEM ep economy is. Um, and then we're going to talk about why artificial intelligence and machine learning is crucial to have a system like this function correctly. Okay, now we're going to review a few key ideas that we talked about but didn't go into you know, specifics in, in episode one. All right, first is the self-determination theory of motivation. Um, the SDT, as it is sometimes referred to as, or referred to, theory of motivation, is wholly focused on what causes us to be intrinsically motivated. Intrinsic motivation is that deep, powerful motivation that you feel when, you know, when you have a project and you're just into it and you're working on it, or it's, it's that motivation that comes from within, okay? It's not um, really very much influenced by outside circumstances and forces. 
Alright, now the self-determination theory of motivation states that there are three principal factors to intrinsic motivation. And these are competence, relatedness, and autonomy. Okay, now in episode one, I kind of repeated the definition for competence uh, as also the definition for autonomy, and that is totally not correct. So I'm going to go through these really quick. Competence is having a good understanding of what you're doing. Like, I'm a software engineer. I have a pretty firm understanding of um, digital logic design, how logic gates work, how the computer works, how chips work. Everything from, you know, the chip level all the way up to what's showing on my screen. So that is an example of competence. I'm, I'm, I have competence in what I'm doing. I know my languages. I know how to code. There is a level of being competent there, okay? So having your intrinsic motivation energized, I guess, has a lot to do with have, being competent, knowing what you're doing, having a firm understanding of, of your skill, of your specialty. All right, relatedness, this is basically the idea that you have good relationship, working relationships with those that you work with or who are involved in, in the project that you're working on. So having good, you know, good social cohesion in, in your working atmosphere, that's relatedness. Now autonomy <laughs> means is having a sense of autonomy over what you're doing. So basically having a measure of control over, over what your spe specific job is knowing that you have full control over the important parts of what you are in charge of doing. All right, now for self-actualization. Uh, Abraham Maslow in 1948, I wanna say, I might be wrong, don't, yeah. Um, he presented the idea of the, the hierarchy of needs, what's known as today as Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, now, self-actualization and Maslow's hierarchy of needs are the keystones, really, to STEM theory. And I'll explain this in a second. Now, before we get into this, just know that there's been a, an incredible amount of revisions, um, corrections, restructuring of the hierarchy of needs. Uh, there's a lot of different schools of thought. And on top of that, um, the hierarchy of needs of any one culture or people is somewhat dependent on, you know, location, on, on where you are in the world, on who, you, who your um, social circles are. So it's not always exactly the same for everybody. It's, there, there's variation. Okay. In fact, there's some evidence that besides um, regional and, and cultural influences, um, even sex comes into play. The variance in, in what the hierarchy of needs is, is just one example as to why artificial intelligence and machine learning are crucial to the proper orchestration of the STEM economy. Okay, now your lower order needs 
are your basic, basic, basic survival requirements. Um, you have your physi physiological needs, which is, you know, like food, water, air, uh, sex, you know, reproduction, clothing, that sort of thing. Safety needs, shelter, um, membership in a protective group or a family unit. And emotional needs are feeling loved, feeling love, having a sense of belonging with your peers and with your family unit. Higher order needs goes into self-esteem and, and uh, self-actualization. Self-esteem, having a feeling of independence, um, having had achievements, having skills that, uh, that give only, they give yourself a feeling of worth. Now, self-actualization contains the set of needs that fire one's intrinsic motivation, which is why the self-determination theory of motivation so closely ties in with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Now, people that are self-actualizing are, um, well, they seek peak experiences. Uh, they're fully engaged in realizing their own, their own potential they, and personal growth. They seek fulfillment in what they're doing. Um, they're not selfish. They are humanitarian. They are not hoarders. They do not waste. They're very cognizant of everything that they are doing. Um, somebody that is self-actualizing is basically... The idea of self-actualizing comes from the concept that we want to achieve and become our best self. So somebody that is truly self-actualizing, continually actualizing and feeding themselves and becoming a better person really is the ideal person. It, that person is expressing their best possible self. Okay, now STEM theory submits the idea that we have a complex set of personal and social motivational foci. Now, the structure of our personal and social lives are potent players in um, dictating where these foci are. For instance, uh, in episode one, I expressed the idea that money hijacks several systems. Okay, um, one of them being that due to its low idiophysical coupling, it hijacks and blocks the natural flow of resource distribution and allocation. It also hijacks our evolved sense of survival, what we need to survive and where we go to get that. Um, and this in turn has completely shifted the focus of what we see as necessary for survival. So the natural resources that were once available to anybody suddenly became a scarce resource that you had to go purchase with your currency. I had also laid out the idea that uh, the three functions of money, unit of account, store of value, and medium of exchange, in and of themselves actually hinder the flow of energy and in the long run, energy and natural resources, sorry. And in the long run, this causes a value loss that exceeds the original value by at least thousands of percentage points. And okay, okay, quick note, when I'm throwing out these, 
numbers and you've never heard this before, it's because these are numbers that I've personally had to work out. Now, don't worry, we will get to a math video. At some point in the future, I will have an entire video dedicated to the mathematics that I've turned out and correct me if you see any problems or issues with, with how I've laid everything out, but I just wanted you to know there will be a video coming up with all the math. So anybody, if you don't like math, you can completely skip that episode. <clears throat> okay. So my point here is, is that not only do these three functions of money do exactly the opposite of what we have been telling ourselves that they do, but the spirit of those ideas, of those concepts, the reasons why we have, you know, argued that we need those three functions uh, can be handled with far greater efficiency and effectiveness by the AI STEM drive. The STEM epiconomy, in a very basic sense, is a restructuring of our cultural, cultural and social structure, I guess, um, in a way that money is completely extracted and removed. And the effectiveness and efficiency of resource allocation and distribution of those resources is max maximized. Now, everybody's basic needs are, are generally met. Education is made available to all people. And the basic groundwork is such that self-actualization is made possible and within reach of anybody who wants to actualize. The basic fundamental structure of the STEM epiconomy is such that there is very little regulation in terms of, in terms of what pushes you to become self-actualized. The structure of the system itself promotes the desire to want to self-actualize. So you have all of your needs met and you have, you know, the perfect balance of, of healthy obstacles and, and pushback to fire the drive, to get you going, to want to get up and self-actualize and, and become the best possible you that you can be. This, this, particular, I'm sorry, this particular aspect of, of the epiconomy isn't rocket science. This is, this is just logically looking at how things are and then restructuring them in a fairly permanent fashion such that things that need to be regulated and adjusted can be, but the things that are, that are kind of going to be there for a while, the structures that are there that are there to stay are the structures that really are like the waveguide for, for the desire to want to actualize. The sort of secondary cooperative effort that we do as a society during the implementation or, or redesigning or launching of the, uh, of the STEM epiconomy, the sort of secondary cooperative effort that we do is the redesigning of the social life and, and personal life in such a way that our social motivational foci are set on achieving self-actualization. This is done through 
the proper use of the self-determination theory of motivation. Intrinsic motivation um, is by far the most potent and powerful and efficient and effective form of motivation that we know of. Money as a motivator <laughs> has nothing on, on intrinsic motivation. This, this structure causes a cycle to form. The cycle is that self-actualizing individuals take care of themselves. They love themselves. They tend to see the bigger picture more often. They're not selfish. Um, they veer from any semblance of, of uh, corruption. They have a deep desire to give back and help, you know, give back to society and help others. Um, love becomes much more palpable for them. They're emotionally intelligent. Uh, they are highly productive and their work is of the highest of qualities. Um, people that are self-actualizing take their, don't take their time. They, they put their all into their work. They make the finest things, you know, and create masterpieces left and right. That's, that's the sort of stuff and, and productivity and quality that comes out of self-actualizing individuals. These individuals, um, they give back to the society in whatever way that they best actualize with. This means that the prime motivation for choosing a profession is no longer rooted in what can provide the most financial freedom and, and stability. It becomes what they feel is going to help them actualize the most in the best way they can give back to the world and and really express their love for for their society for themselves so you have somebody that self-actualizes being a waiter somebody that self-actualizes you know being a coach and it's not always one particular profession you know people can can shift professions or do multiple professions and and you know or get tired of one thing and want to move on to another and that's how they continually self-actualize it now this ensures that the majority of work done by the majority of people is extremely high quality and efficient and beautiful and just awesome in every possible way <laughs> i mean you, you couldn't ask for a better employee this has a positive effect on everything people who want to be police right are people who want to be police that people that you know want to protect the, their their fellow citizens people that want to teach be, you know be professors uh, waiters doctors athletes artists movie stars whatever it completely alters the landscape for each and every profession in a very profound way because people go into the profession with absolutely no financial incentives or motivations at all whatsoever it's it's strictly uh, uh it's strictly based on a need to want to better themselves and become their best possible selves and in doing so 
a love for others develops in such a profound way and such a palpable way, palpable, I'm sorry, way that, that when they exercise their profession, it is wanting to just give back, make the world the best possible place through the one thing that you have found that helps you develop yourself and become a better person. It's just, I mean, it's a beautiful thing, really. It's so now almost everybody is highly motivated via, you know, intrinsic motivation and, and self-actualization to give back in a, in a culture that, that cultivates, <laughs> cultivates the drive and desire to want to self-actualize which also happens to be how they contribute back to society. So the contributions are always top notch in every possible way. And self-actualizing people aren't in the mindset to complain or wonder why John down the street is not working as much, but still gets the same benefits as you. If anything, somebody might wonder why John isn't working as much and they they would be concerned and want to go find out and help him you know why what's going on man are, are you okay is everything is everything going all right for you I, i'm just i mean i've noticed you've been kind of down that's kind of that's the kind of world i'm talking about this isn't like this isn't impossible either this is just it's so crazy. This is hardened science, right? This is stuff that we understand about how humans work and how society and culture and, and, and the mind, this is all how it works. And how is it that nobody yet has realized that money, the injection of money into a social structure just... <laughs> destroys that it, it completely just I don't know it's so frustrating to think about this sometimes because I see it how it could possibly work I see the people that are hardened criminals they would totally not be hardened criminals man they would be up working towards you know whatever we are working towards with everybody else everybody's it's the chain you know there are no weak links if something you know somebody notices somebody falling behind or having a difficult time we function as a super organism or the supra organism um, optima and repair that just like how a body works you know you get a cut or an organ fails or whatever you have systems that go and, and try to take care of it. What's going on here? You know, how can we fix this? How can we mend this area? How can we get you back up and running on par with everybody else? That is what would be happening on a social level with everybody. Okay, now this is about where we're, we're going to start talking about artificial intelligence, machine learning, the AI stem drive itself, and how this all, like starts to connect and plug in together. As I've mentioned before, the AI stem drive is a multi-tier, multi-streamed uh, network of distributed artificial learning agents. <laughs> what that means, I'm going to tell you <laughs> what that means right now. Now, tier is just what it sounds like. 
<clears throat> it is um, groupings, social grouping tiers. So, um, for instance, you would have a, a stem drive core running on your cell phone or your personal device, whatever. And then you would have a stem drive core running in your home, um, running in smart devices, refrigerator, microwave, um, that, that washing machine, you know, that, that sort of thing, energy consumption, regulators, that sort of stuff. So you have a stem core on your person, personal stem core. You would have a stem drive core in your home. Um, then you would have a stem drive core. You, you know, basically we want to stick to iterations of the Dunbar number. So it's going to be kind of like an outward facing reverse, I guess, two way hierarchy. <sighs> let, let me explain that. So um, what I'm talking about here is uh, so you have your yourself, then you have your family unit, your home, and then you you have Dunbar tiers uh, geographically and socially. Now, geographically, your Dunbar tier would go out to your neighborhood, okay? But then you would also have a secondary Dunbar next level tier that goes out to um, your first Dunbar level social group. And this this progression would continue on and on until you know, to city, county, state, uh, region, um, continent, world, basically. Okay. Hmm. Okay, I'm just going to keep going, and hopefully you'll be able to <laughs> pick up on, on what exactly I'm talking about here. Each person has their personal core stem drive cores on their phone or their personal computer, probably on their phone. I mean, that just seems to be the, the technological trend, the current trend. Um, now would function, the functions of the personal core would be um, no different really than just a super high tech fitness tracker, except obviously a bit more complicated. There's, but it's the same basic, same basic idea. Okay, so each person would have their personal core. Most likely it would be just, you know, an app you have running on your phone or your personal device of whatever kind you have. And the functions of the personal core <clears throat> would really be no different than a fitness tracker, right? So you have a system that basically checks and, and makes sure your vital functions are good knocking out of hand, your, your stress levels are, are within manageable, you know, manageable ranges, that sort of thing. At this point, I just want to talk about privacy really quick. The, the AS stem drive is specifically created to maximize privacy. In fact, because of how much data and throughput we're, we're talking about dealing with here, we want to minimize it as much as possible, which means in order to keep the stem drive functioning correctly, because too much data running through any one specific core is just not good. I mean, especially when you're looking for trends and patterns. 
So you want to strip personal information and only confine it to the levels where it is most uh, pertinent. But yeah, uh, I'm going to go over a more, okay, now specifically for privacy. We're not going to do it on this video. The, the privacy talk is very detailed <laughs> and highly technical. So it, it'll probably be another, um, another episode. Some people are going to want to not watch. But um, I feel like I have to go over it because it is a major part of how the whole AI stem drive network works and functions. Now you've got your, your personal core. It's regulating, not regulating, it's monitoring everything. And it coordinates with your, your living unit core, your home core. Now your, your home core, you know, monitors uh, food in the fridge, how much food in the fridge, what is in the fridge. It makes sure lights are turned off when there's nobody in a room. And everything, every, every sensor, every, every monitoring device that, that, you know, manages things like, like energy usage and lights and, and whether or not water is running, that sort of thing. It, it's designed to maximize efficiency, first of all. So it's very low energy usage, these, these devices that report back to the core. And the, you know, the solid state switches and everything that, that turn lights and turn light, turn lights on and off. Everything is to be designed at the most efficient energy saving level possible. Your, your home core is pulling data maps. Okay. Like, like, uh, you know, after you train a neural network, right? Save off the network. Okay, so you have these, or save off the network, save off the state, right? Like a, I, I forget the term. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so you have these shareable, shareable ideas, I guess you could call them ideas, right? That cores share between themselves, but only certain ideas are really relevant to certain levels. Because really your, your state, your state network, all right, on, on that level that monitors the whole, monitors the whole state is really not going to be concerned with turning lights on and off and the most efficient way to handle that. That's just not something within its realm of giving a crap. Okay. So the tiers grow upward and outward. I mean, you get the basic idea already, right? Um, you have from the individual, from each individual, it grows up to the next collective, you know, next Dunbar-esque or Dunbar-centric collective, and then on and on and on. Okay, so tiers grow upward and outward based on a Dunbar-like metric. Um, then your streams, all right, are interle uh, sorry, interlinking soft networks managed by the stem drive network itself. Um, as they communicate and, and, you know, re redesign networks and sub networks, this is how they do it. Okay. For instance, there would be an educational stream and then you would have a weather and seismic activity stream. And then you would have a military stream 
and social media stream, communication stream. Um, social media stream would probably would be a sub a sub network of the communication stream. Um, that that sort of thing. Friends and family streams. Um, you would have multiple subdivisions of each stream, and each one would be would specialize in one particular aspect of our social life. Now, each stream is completely designed, not completely designed, but aside from what the prominent streams are, everything, all the substreams are, are completely designed and, and designated and laid out by the networks, the network cores and their communications and, you know, decisions of what would be the most efficient, most effective, that sort of thing. Um, so like I said before, um, the system is predicated on some basic principles of privacy and minimally required information exchange for optimi for the most optimized performance and result. So privacy is a requirement for this to work correctly. Uh, the stem drive network cannot properly function without user-defined privacy settings. Everybody can regulate the level of privacy they wish. Like if somebody just doesn't care and they want to throw their information out there, that's fine. The system's going to regulate, regulate it for them, though. I mean, certain parts of information just will not be useful at, at certain tier levels or in certain streams, so it's just completely dropped anyway. Now, there are... Okay, while I'm on that topic, there are uh, meta nodes that sort of analyze a breadth of different things, looking for patterns that, you know, you wouldn't think would normally be there. I mean, let's say it suddenly realizes that there's some sort of relationship between this particular military activity and seismic activity on the East Coast or something then that could be brought to our attention and we could, you know, try to do something about it. Like don't do this particular thing anymore because it's doing this over here. So there are, I guess you could call it kind of like cross pollinating, but they're the meta nodes are, are they, they, they work differently than everything else. So we're, we're, I don't even know why I brought them up. We're not even going to talk about the meta nodes right now, but let's keep going. Now that you kind of have an idea of how the network is, is structured and functions, let's look at an example of what this might look like functioning on, on some level. Okay. Um, so let's take the, the personal optimization stream. Now this is the stream that monitors your, your levels of motivation, diet tracks, you know, your vital signs, your health, um, it, it watches trends in, in mood alterations um, and deviations from health, healthy decisions, that sort of thing. This is totally a private, you know, private thing. This isn't something that is going to be um, uh, broadcast to, to higher, 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 uh, <laughs> higher tiers. Okay, so here's an example of how this might work. You have your personal stem drive. And it's monitoring your your levels and, and your vital signs, um, you know, signs of stress, signs of of well-being, uh, activities, 
habits, that sort of thing. And it communicates with your home core, which, you know, monitors things like uh, how much food you have in your fridge, what kind of food you have in your fridge. And it notices that you begin to, you know, deviate from what, what's healthy and good for you. You start leaving the house a little later. The stem drive at, at your place of profession begins to notice that you're affecting, um, that you used to be, you know, a very good influence on your coworkers. You would interact with them for a few minutes and afterwards their performance would go up. So it, that system begins to notice that that, that begins to de decrease. So your, your home network communicates with your work network and says, you know, have you been noticing anything off going on lately? Oh yeah, the, this is the data I've been collecting. I've been noticing something off too. Let's take a look at what might be causing this. So they, they run an analysis and find that, you know, since this has be, been happening, You've also just happened to been buying a certain brand of soap, let's say. And so on, for, on closer inspection, it realizes that, that you are allergic to something in that soap. So th this is a sort of, um, of patterns and trends that that, that particular system would, would look at. So really at its core, everything is designed to ensure that people have the right amount of available resources, not so much that they're going to waste it, not so much that, um, that they're going to feel concerned that they don't have enough, just the right amount. It regulates it and watches it and knows what the right amount is and, and it can predict what the right amount is going to be next week, that sort of thing. Um, and then anomalies are sent up the ladder that you know, seem like it would be important for, for either the meta nodes or, or higher nodes to, to understand or know or, or say higher node puts a call out for a specific type of information that it doesn't usually, you know, it doesn't usually get sent upstream or not upstream, up, up, up tier. And the higher tier node can analyze the, the anomalous packets and decide whether or not it needs to look further into this, this anomaly that, that just appeared or look at something else to try to figure out what's going on. Like I said before, productivity is tracked through a series of factors. And so, you know, like with the, the guy that had the declining productivity and, and, and motivation. So that's really only a local network data set. Um, it's really only shared between his personal stem drive core, uh, his home drive, and where he practices his profession. So, yeah, interactions with other people are are monitored by by personal cores. Um, if it realizes that your stress goes up and your productivity goes down when you're around one specific person or, you know, whatever. I mean, it just takes care of us. I mean, that's, that's the whole point. The whole point is to have an automated system that, that allows us first gives us the room to, to at least begin, begin self-actualizing, but then also encourages us and has the, has the, motivational substructure that, you know, almost automatically 
promotes self-actualization. So peer influence with each other. Um, do other people appreciate you? Do you appreciate other people? Uh, do people appreciate your work? It's, it's all, you know, it's a lot of information to deal with, but there's a lot of, a lot of information stripping too. I mean, I, I would be super surprised if, if our current, you know, internet load would go up too much. I, I, I don't think it would be that intense. I, th I think you can get away with, you know, stripping information, taking out the stuff you don't need, really minimizing the really important variables and sending those along. I really don't think we would, we would go above what, what we are already using. I think, in fact, a lot of the data we are using right now that you wouldn't be using in, in a STEM-based ep economy would be replaced with STEM data, you know, packets that are, that are necessary for the, the AI STEM drive network to function correctly. So if somebody's productivity falters and continues to falter, the network at this point has probably already predicted that this was going to happen anyway. But then what is necessary to get that person back up to their best self? So uh, it, I'm sorry, your, your personal core begins to offer advice or give you links and um, connects you with doctors and psychiatrists and people who can help. So the whole point is to keep people healthy and happy, self-actualizing, productive, you know, becoming their best possible self the best, most truest inner self, growing, becoming a better person. That is the core functionality of the entire AI STEM drive network. It does this while also maximizing efficiency and effectiveness and the effectiveness of all the other streams at the same time. In such a world, there's no real limit to production aside from how much we decide we want to we want to churn out and as far as what could cripple society emergencies and disasters are already part of the plan i mean the system knows this we know it we're all actualizing we all think ahead and see see the bigger clearer picture so we have we've already prepared for i mean in such a system with people that are seeing the bigger picture and continually self-actualizing and becoming better people. And we have an immense amount of resources because nothing is being wasted and everything is being directed and, and uh, distributed in the most effective, efficient manner. Well, the next level, of course, is to fully prepare for any sort of emergency or disaster that could possibly happen. And so the last thing I want to talk about, I want to take another example. Um, well, we're going to take another stream of, and this is going to be short, we're going to take another stream from the, the network and we're going to look at how this would work. So actual resource allocation and distribution, you know, goods, um, food, uh, materials, computers, products. So there is a really weird thing that we do in our current 
economic landscape. And this is transporting produce and products away from where they were grown across the country or across the world to another place where that same product or you know type of produce is grown or or um manufactured uh there's a really bizarre thing we do with corn specifically we haul trucks and trucks truck i'm sorry we haul truckloads and truckloads of corn and produce specifically corn corn is the weirdest one from one state that you know their big export is corn to another state whose big export is corn and they haul all the way across the country to another state to try and sell it in the other state when i mean when you look at it in terms of efficiency that that is madness that is sheer like undiluted insanity and we're whining about the fact that our world is just stock full of pollution and we're worried about global warming and we're worried about the future and what it brings i'm telling you guys the ai stem drive is if i've even wondered if maybe this isn't like the great filter if something like this isn't at some point the great filter if every species on all the worlds of all the you know possible intelligent species that could arise if it is just natural for a species to come up to some point and just begin <laughs> wrecking their world and using trade and being selfish and the implementation of a system like the AI stem drive that unifies everybody and maximizes efficiency to, you know, within thousands of percentile points of what is possible or theoretically possible. If, if that, I mean, by no means am I trying to say this is, the great filter, but you know, I've wondered, I've wondered if something like this, I mean, I, I'm just worried that people are going to reject this and not even think twice about it because if, if the interviews all pull through and if everybody agrees, you know, given the corrections that I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get throughout the interview phase, if everybody agrees that I think this is at least something we should try. But there are powerful, <laughs> powerful people out there with far more money than I'm probably ever going to have that wouldn't want to lose what they think is control. But in actuality, even the richest, most wealthy people on our planet right now would be better off after the implementation of the AI stem drive. It, it's like... Jonathan Zapp uh, wrote a book called um, The Event Horizon, I believe. And, you know, he's Jungian philosopher kind of guy. But the idea is that he kind of wanted to add a new um, archetype to 
to what is already kind of the archetypical canon, I guess. And this is the event horizon. And it's the idea that what is what is good for us, what is what is kind of like a, a threshold point above, you know, ahead of us. And when we see it, it looks like death. It looks like disaster. It looks like, you know, oh, we're we're not this isn't gonna happen in a good way. This is gonna destroy us, or this is, you know, there's no way we're gonna make it through this. But after passing that threshold and looking back, realizing that, oh, that was just another stepping stone in actually what we needed to survive and continue and to progress and grow and learn and, and become better, better general beings, you know, and, and um, stewards of this planet. So I just worry because so many of those people... No, so few of those people in those positions of what we consider power today are not self-actualizing individuals. In fact, especially the ones that do the things that are hurting other people and damaging our planet, they are the most financially powerful in our world and the most how do I say this? The most easily agitated as far as their ego goes, they would see this because of the sort of person that they are and where they are as far as Maslow's hierarchy of needs. They're not actualizing. And so this sort of thing would seem like a threat to them when in fact it would be the best possible thing that could ever happen to them in their entire life. As long as STEM theory holds throughout all of my research. <laughs> I'll put a qualifier in there. Okay, so um, last example. Uh, okay, delivery delivery and distribution, right? So I've developed um, what I call modular delivery network. And this, this is, I haven't worked the math out for this one. I can see it in my head how it would work, but I'm going to have to sit down and really crunch this one because this is, I, I might, I might even need to um, run it through on, on D wave because um this is a complex problem and it is a maximization problem, which is ideal for quantum computing. But, uh, yeah, dude, I have a feeling D wave is going to be, uh, I'm going to have to buy, <laughs> buy a lot of time on their, on their computers because there is going to be a lot of, you know, ML and AI scripts that are going to need the services that they offer for this project. Oh dear God, this is going to be a, so, so much work, but so you have, um, okay. So modular delivery network is basically you, you start off with the core distribution centers. Okay. The people that do the large, you know, produce distribution and furniture and, and materials and, and products and 
the vehicles would have to be designed in a way where they had their own AI cores, but they would have to be designed in a way that as they all left the facility and started on their routes, everything is coordinated. And at, at some point when they start getting close to each other, they've already pre-selected how they're going to do this because they all know the inventory of each other. And because, you know, this is post dealing with, um, being afraid of other companies knowing what your inventory is. This is because we are functioning as a single human supra organism optima, right? So they've already pre-selected how this whole delivery thing is going to work. So now, you know, truck A is finally getting to where truck B is and, and he takes on a, you know, they pull up next to each other and, you know, packages are exchanged like full modular containers, you know, slid across. And now truck a doesn't have to go all the way up on the East side to deliver all the stuff to those, you know, where he was going to drop them all off to, you know, those deliveries. So now truck B, because he's already going up there, he takes on all of his, you know, East side delivery, parcels or packages or containers or whatever. And he continues on, on up that way. And it begins to kind of unravel in that way. Like as the trucks continue to pass each other and, and get next to each other, they, they switch cargo in a very orchestrated modular way where it just ends up maximizing the, the efficiency of the delivery. <clears throat> and the, the, there's, you know, other, systems that I have kind of thought about, but I haven't really totally worked out, but this is the basic idea, maximizing routes, minimizing waste. So much of our waste and our energetic and material waste is because we have money. It's because separate um, uh, organizations and, and corporations don't want to interact in, in that sort of cooperative way. They'll, they'll say they're cooperating on projects and, and sharing information in certain ways, but there are certain areas because of our economic system and because of how, um, how we view finances, it's almost like the soft spot. Like you, you want to cover your soft spot. You don't want to expose that soft spot that that's, that's kind of your vital area. In a STEM ep economy, there is no soft spot. We can work together. We are one single functioning system. So that's, I hope that gives you a better understanding of what exactly the, I hope I didn't confuse the crap out of everybody, what exactly the AI STEM drive is and a better idea of what the STEM ep economy is and how you know, how they are like almost, well, designed for each other. Of course they're designed for each other, but how they work together. Anyway, uh, as always questions and comments, send them to a uh, STEM prime podcast at gmail.com. Um, scientists, engineers, researchers, if you would like to contribute and be interviewed and uh, come on STEM Prime, 
and have a conversation, um, please email me at the same email address, stemprimepodcast at gmail.com with interview in the subject line. And until then, um, give me a second. I, I'm going to pull up a quote to end this with. One moment. Oh, this is good. <laughs> this is the first sentence. This is actually not from his book. I think it's just from a... Um, he's a bit on the spiritual side, but, but it has a lot of good concepts in it. So... So yeah, he's, he's speaking about the singularity archetype at the Society for Scientific Exploration of Boulder, Colorado on September 29th. And he opens with war, man-made environmental destruction, money and financial upheaval, most forms of violence, art, culture, science, and the election of Trump, the standoff with North Korea, romantic love, and many other phenomena all derived from a single source the human psyche. That is so perfect for what we're talking about. Like I, I was talking about the ego earlier. I mean, this whole, the whole uh, network, you know, the entire STEM economy and the AI STEM drive will require like a shift in how we perceive things for us to get it going but um in the end it's going to be the best way to go unless there's another better way but i mean i'm pretty sure this is one of the best ways because so far it totally clicks into all of the psychological and sociological and all the research i have been able to do up until now it just all fits into place this is it's like it it wrote itself, really. I mean, I'm just, I'm just showing this to you guys. The science really showed me that there could be the AI sim drive. The only thing I'm doing is just telling you what the science tells me, and that this is good. This is possible like this could work we need to try this and we should try it soon because we're kind of running out of time but uh i'm running out of time thank you for watching next week next monday uh be safe guys thanks bye